was reincarnated as a butterfly i was a beautiful butterfly and i was flying around from plant to plant you know sucking on some little plant nectar and then whammo eaten by a bird what does that mean could mean a lot of things what does that mean could mean i don't know could mean a lot of things do you think i was a a butterfly just doing my thing and then like someone was like well fuck you butterfly i think you you want to hear about my dreams that i've been having i do yes I was born again into an octopus that could live without water. And I was just going around the town, just picking up people and throwing shit around. I'm a trouble mate. I'm a troublemaker. Half man, half octopus. <laughs> you know what my dream was? What? I was an ass polyp on Chase's and Adrian's butt. I was stuck between two worlds, and I couldn't escape, yet I just... Developed my own sentient mind of my own. When asses collide, it's is that the title of your movie? It's a really good movie that you're starring in. When asses collide, <laughs> starring Brad Pitt and Angelina, holy, <laughs> the real life story of Hunter Owens <laughs> depicted. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Moving on now. Welcome back, purgators, to stuck in this purgatory. I'm Chase, and joining me in Purgatory, as always, is the main man, Hunter. Home. And the G-man, Adrian. Stay out of the warp gate. <laughs> oh my God. He itches his arm like it's an addiction. <laughs> he is, like, just stuck on my warp gate. God damn. Dude, I, hey, listeners, if you want to, please send us some fan art. Draw the immaterium. Draw the warp gate. Please bless us with your artistic skill. Please don't. <laughs> please do! I'm afraid what that's going to be. Maybe that's where the shadow people come from. <laughs> they come from you? Yes, my, my warp gate. Uh, you know what? I, it's actually pretty funny. So I, we had um, uh, some sales guy come to our house the other day, and he was a pest mitigation guy. Okay. And he's you know he, he came to the house, and he's giving us the card, and we're like, yeah, you know, we don't really have any pests or anything. The funny thing is right now is we have like a shit ton of ladybugs that are like stuck to our wall and our staircase and everything, and they're like- being rebirthed in ladybugs. Did you know they're like a little worm thing? And then they actually like, they're like a butterfly. They, oh, the, the cocoon. Yeah. Hmm. It's not even a cocoon. These guys just like get stuck to something, curl up, and then like grow into a butterfly. Weird. Or not a butterfly, I'm sorry, a ladybug. Weird. Super fucking weird. You know it's good luck if a ladybug flies on you? Well, then my house should be fucking blessed because I have a gajillion of them on my house right now. Sounds like we need to go to Blackhawk, boys. I'd be down. Yeah, you would. Let's put a paycheck down on red. That's gonna be no. That's that's stressful. See, that's that's just risk management, not at its finest. (laughs) That's what you call let Adrian be your financial advisor. (laughs) Adrian, (laughs) what would be your financial advice right here, right now? Tell us on the podcast. Tell the listeners what you would advise. So you work two 
long, hard weeks. You put in all those hours. 80 hours, maybe you get 10 hours of overtime. You get that paycheck. You're feeling great about that paycheck. And you drive up to Central City. You put that paycheck all on red. When that sucker hits, you don't just pull out. You double down. And <laughs> it was, I was, oh, it was so good. I was you so heard it, boys. You heard it here. You heard it here, boys and girls, on the podcast. What first. do you do after you double down? You double down and it hits again. You go quadruple down. No, no, <laughs> too much, no, too much. Yeah, chase. You're pushing your karma. Oh, you can't reach a state of nirvana if you're that stressed. So double down is just enough stress. Wow, I wish you could see this guy's face right now. He, He's proud of himself. It, that was trust me. I've thought about it plenty. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't have bills, that's the first thing I would do. Oh my god, let's do it, bud. You had four years of internship. You could have done that. I didn't see you doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's because I wasn't old enough. Oh, uh, that's fair. He's that a youngin. He's a youngin. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, I hope we didn't lose you on last week's episode. Um, that was a thicky. That was a sticky um, thicky. Damn, boy. Jeez, thick. Uh, <laughs> even I got lost. I'm not going to lie. So, <laughs> Chase, you, hey, again, I'm going to give you a round of applause. That was an amazingly well said for all the words I've never even seen or heard of. Well done. Oh, thank you. I am going to submit that to Audible, and maybe I could be a professional reader. You can actually do that. There's a website where you can put your little resume, your little voice clips on, and people can pick you up for their audiobooks Ooh, and stuff. baby. I'm going to get my sexy voice Ooh, in. I'll pay no, you like 300 an hour. my sexy voice in. I know you guys like it when I get this low. You would take a three-hour book and make it 30 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like, I like, it's like that TikToks I send you guys where he's like a normal dude and then he does that girl voice. I just can't. Oh that God. shit fucks me. How does he do it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Whoa. For real. Whoa. Jesus. Is that him? I feel, Is he here? My ears feel violated. So if you guys got lost in the sauce on that last one, be ready to be twirled around, swirled around in that sauce for these stories. Oh, man. Well, that is true. We are going to get into some stories about reincarnation on this episode. But since we do love our Australian mates and Hunter's great English accent that sounds Australian, <laughs> we do want to talk about some tribal beliefs about reincarnation. So, Hunter, might. go ahead. Take the lead on this oh, one. Oh, I wasn't ready for this. Chase did such a good job. I got I to gotta stand up to his standards. Veggie White. Get into the Australian mindset. The Aborigines of Australia believe that souls come from spirits left behind by ancestral beings in a period their legends call dream time. Dream time eight. Is it dream time eight? <laughs> <laughs> I pause. Is it really dream time eight? No. Is this the Matrix? Are we coded? Are we coded? Oh, Adrian, Adrian. We're all ones and zeros, Just boys and girls. Oh my heirs. <laughs> I mean, that's a very advanced situation yeah these are eight these aborigines they're time travelers it's just what if that's what you're reaching it's the eighth build of that coding eight bit or what if it's the eighth dimension (gasps) what is the eighth dimension there's like four others aren't there (laughs) i have no fucking clue i was waiting i thought you were gonna say my warp gate (laughs) oh the immaterium speaks again okay They believe that infants are the reincarnation of deceased ancestors and that the soul is continually reborn. The Yoruba and the Idu peoples of Western Africa believe that they are the reincarnation of their ancestors. Their word for boy means father has returned, and their word for girl means mother has returned. 
Some African tribes believe that the spirits of the bed linger near their graves, looking for other bodies to inhabit, either animal or human. Let's take a break real quick. Just think of those African tribes and your parents, let's say they beat you, (laughs) and then they believe that their kids are then a representation of their parents. And they're like, well, you used to kick my ass, so now it's my turn. The cycle continues, my guy. Cycle of life. Oh, yes. Okay, not to get too philosophical, but like in other Western religions, Christianity, Catholicism, talking about uh, generational curses, it's interesting that an Aboriginal way, way across the, the ocean, they believe that as fa- sins of the father, all that stuff, what the parents do, then then will reincarnate and come back. We kind of believe in gener- generational curses. Just a little nugget for you guys. Let us continue. In the Amazon, some tribes refrain from eating certain animals, believing that the souls of their ancestors live on in the animal's body. The Inuit people of the Arctic believe that the souls of both animals and humans are reborn. In the 19th century, the belief in Theosophy, a doctrine conceived by Helena Petrova Blavatsky, Blavatsky. Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, helped to promote belief in reincarnation. Theosophy remains that all religions are attempts by higher spirits to help humanity to evolve to perfection. It's hard, isn't it, motherfucker? <laughs> Dude, how did you do that? I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, I am, I am appalled. Again, hats off to Chase for these these difficult words and these religious texts that we have literally never even heard of before. Well done. Uh, it's interesting how every culture and society and religion for that matter has their own philosophy of reincarnation and what that means. Um, so, you know, I think we're going to get away from this really thick, heavy stuff and we're going to get into some stories now, um, to kind of give us an idea of what has actually happened and been out there. Well, let's first go over one of the best stories that I think is it's about two sisters who were killed in a car accident who were then re-incarcerated. You were incarcerated. You go to prison. You go to prison. If you die, you go to prison. One of my favorite stories is about two sisters who were killed in a car accident who were reincarnated as twins. John and Florence Pollock were devastated when their twin daughters, Joanna and Jacqueline, died in a car accident on May 5, 1957. The following year... They were thrilled to hear they were expecting, and once again, Floris was carrying twins. The twins, Jillian and Jennifer, were born identical, except for Jennifer's birthmarks. She had a birthmark on her waist, similar to a birthmark Jacqueline had, and a birthmark on her forehead that resembled one of Jacqueline's scars. Let me talk about that for a second. Did you guys know there's this theory behind birthmarks that they are possibly evidences of your past life, like how you died or a scar, a very significant scar in your past timeline? There is some weird theories and stories out there of birthmarks in reincarnation that tie into death cause and such. Well, and yeah, along those lines, what's interesting too with reincarnation is that, uh, and some beliefs that, at least my belief of it, is if you when you die and you have either unfinished business or you i hate to say it but take your own life uh you are forced to be reborn and redo that life until you've learned that lesson 
Now, in this case, it almost makes me think like they, whatever um, pious being in the sky said, oh, it's not your time. You guys have a chance to redo your life. You won the fucking reincarnation bingo card, you know? Yeah, right. That's interesting. <laughs> no, it's not too far-fetched. Guys, random thought or question. Where is your birthmarks? Chase, Adrian? Uh, on the tip of my dick. Could have guessed that one. Could have guessed that one. <laughs> I actually have no clue. You don't know. You don't have a birthmark. Mm-mm. Mine's on my left bicep on the front. It's just a circle, right here. Maybe I was a plant. Maybe oh. I was a cucumber. He was a cucumber. <laughs> you were a cucumber. <laughs> How was that life? Was it good? It was a good life. Oh, good. It was really good. You know, I was eating on a nice Saturday. It was about eighty-five degrees, and they were having a barbecue. I was a pickle. At that point, they cut me into a couple slices. I went on a nice double cheeseburger that had mounds of bacon on it, and it was about a 350-pound guy who just gobbled me down. It took maybe two to three minutes, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Were you dill or bread and butter? Or kosher? Kosher. Ooh, he likes kosher. He's 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 vinegary. Mm. Okay, real talk, Chase. Where's your birthmark? I don't think I have one. You don't? Noticeably, you you're a cucumber too. Oh. Hell yeah, boy! You guys were born in the same garden, raised garden bed oh, yeah. in in San Francisco. <laughs> you fucking hippies! Oh my god! All right, moving on. Okay, uh, Adrian, why don't you continue with the story of the two sisters that were killed in a car accident and then reincarnated as twins yet again? John and Florence moved away from their old home when their daughters were three months old. John and Florence told Jillian and Jennifer very little about their late sisters, but the girls seemed to share Joanna and Jacqueline's memories. They would request old toys that had belonged to the deceased twins, recognized landmarks when traveling to their parents' former home, and were inexplicably terrified of cars. Upon seeing oncoming traffic, they would shriek, The car is coming to get us! Luckily, by the age of five, these frightening memories mostly faded away. The girls went on to live relatively normal adult lives. However, their story is still frequently cited as evidence of reincarnation. That's a good first story. Simple, yet interesting. And this is, a, is not the first time I've actually heard this story. Because they there's tons of more little quibs about them being afraid of cars and having little talks with their old toys where they knew that the parents put them, but they hid them away because they didn't want them to find them, all sorts of weird shit. Well, what's really interesting with me is many of these reincarnation uh, stories, many of the, the kids then grow out of it. And that's why I I love when little kids, they see paranormal stuff. They see more things that the human brain is, or the adult brain can see. And I think this is them trying to get away from their past life, and then they're transitioning on to their new life. Yeah, you beat me to it. I was going to say it's it's a lot of these stories. Um, yeah, fuck you too. Um, <laughs> a lot of these stories involve the children reaching a certain age, and these memories kind of fading or going away. And it, it goes back to a lot of our conversation we've had in the past in these episodes where a child's mind is, is really in the moment uh, and not so much surrounded by... Uh, the outside of, of outside effects of this world on their being. And that's, I'm going to divert just a little bit before Chase reads this next story. The Ch- Adrian, question for you. Have you read the book Heaven is for Real? Absolutely not. So, <laughs> just, 
Sales. Like, wow. That, why, can you just not say no? No. Okay. So the book and premise is about a little boy in like Oklahoma or whatever. It's made into a major movie too, where he dies, goes to heaven, sees Jesus, comes back and describes this whole event. And as he gets older, the memories fade a little bit. But what's really interesting about this imagery that this child describes Jesus, because everyone has, he's like, he tells society that they have described and drawn Jesus wrong throughout the ages, thousands of years. It's all been wrong. And this Russian girl has the same near death experience, sees Jesus, she draws it, and he goes, That is how Jesus looks. That Does movie was a big phone, phony. <laughs> I remember reading an article that was about not. it. And and now the parents train the kid to tell these certain stories, and it's seriously like Lorraine Warren. No, it is and not. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it is look, not. Look it up. I promise you. No, it is not. Yes, it, it's been. All right, You're we'll have to revisit man. that. Phony. <laughs> no, we'll have to revisit that because I actually think that's a KFA wrong fact. <laughs> Blah. Yeah, wrong, <laughs> wrong. All right, Chase, go ahead and read this next story. All right, so this next one, um, I'm just going to say it's bullshit from the beginning, but hey, what do I know? I'm just a little douchebag from the Midwest. (laughs) A Midwestern toddler recalls writing, Gone with the wind. Must be nice, motherfucker. (laughs) From the time he was two years old, a Midwestern child named Lee insisted he had another house and another mommy. By the age of three, he began saying he was born on June 26th rather than his actual birthday, June 21st. Lee claimed his middle name was Ko. He wrote movies for a living and had a daughter named Jennifer. His sister asked him how old he was when he died, and he promptly replied, 48. Lee's curious parents relayed the titles of several movies to Lee, asking if he had written them. When they mentioned Gone with the Wind, Lee became enthusiastic. He eagerly claimed he wrote the film. I would too, but, you know. I'm just another douchebag Midwestern guy. After a quick Google search, Lee's parents learn the writer of Gone with the Wind was named Sidney Coe Howard. Howard was born June 26th, had a daughter named Jennifer, and passed away at 48. As these details of Coe's life were unknown to Lee's parents, it's unclear how he knew them. This leaves reincarnation as a possible explanation. Mm. You're going to find this a lot in a lot of these stories where it's, again, it's a young child, you know, um, discussing previous lives. And the mind-blowing part about this for me, and this is why I believe in it so much, is like you're not going to train a fucking four- or five-year-old to sit there and be like, okay, so uh, when this man comes over, you need to say I was this name and I was doing this and this, you know. There's just no fucking way. How about the the kid that was trained to kill people in the I-10 shootings? Okay, it's, yeah, it's no, a lot no, easier. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot uh, easier. Uh, uh, uh. It's a lot easier to pull a trigger on a gun than it is to tell a kid to remember some bullshit. In a when detailed all they want timeline. to do is play with a teddy bear. Yeah. No, they're very easy. It is extremely. Do you have a child? Have you ever trained a child? We, we don't have to go into my personal. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Skept- <laughs> wrong fact again. Hit him again. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. That is not a wrong fact. It's also an opinion if we're going to be factual about things. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah, so give it back. (laughs) He deserves like a middle ground. It's like, it's not a fact. It's not a wrong fact. No, but Hunter's was a wrong (laughs) fact, so mine is a fact. Negativo. Wow. There we go. This is some bullshit. Adrian, fucking read this next one. 
a reincarnated murder victim returned to confront his killer. I'm going to butcher his name. <laughs> when Karen filled Tutusmus of this, Turkey. This is why Hunter gave you this one. <laughs> yeah, I did not want to say Tutusmus. Of Turkey was pregnant with a son in the 1950s. She dreamed a man named Salim Fesli appeared to her with a bloody face. She went on to give birth to a boy, Shamim Tutumus. As soon as Shamim began to talk, he insisted he was the reincarnation of Vesli. He said he lived in a nearby village and had been murdered by a neighbor. At the age of four, Shamim walked to Vesli's old village and talked with Vesli's widow. He was able to recount their life together in great detail, and his murder claims were somewhat corroborated. Fis Lee had indeed been shot by a neighbor, but the neighbor claimed it was a hunting accident. Sami, on the other hand, insisted his past self had been killed due to an argument with Fasili's mule grazing in the neighbor's field. This how is some Nancy Drew shit. How, how, how shitty <laughs> is that? The Hardy Boys. To get fucking shot because your mule was on the other person's hey, property. Hey, mules are val- valuable commodities uh, over there. And I'm sure grass was back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> you insensitive ass. <laughs> Sami so, so returned to Fesli's village throughout his life, visiting his widow and adult children. When he encountered his murderer, he would throw stones at him. He did not enact more violent revenge out of concern. His neighbor would also be reincarnated. Sami... So, Stuck to stone throwing to avoid perpetrating a cycle of murder across multiple lifetimes. What a guy. You know what? Fuck your lawn. Right? Fuck your colonial lawn. That's what it's all about? Fuck your lawn. I was just trying to say that. I was like, Hunter, you're a colonist because you have colonial grass. Yep. I'm the bad guy. I am the bad guy. I actually really like that story. I do too because it's interesting that he confronts the murderer and then decides... For the sake of of the timelines to to do better, I love it. And also, he's able to just walk to this village and be like, "Hey, you're my wife." All right, I'll read the next story, mate. An elderly man shocked archaeologists with his knowledge of an ancient city. Now, these are the stories that really get my goat. I love these ones. For his entire life, Arthur Flowerdew was haunted by inexplicable and vivid memories of a city surrounded by a desert and a temple carved into a cliff. One day, while watching a BBC documentary on television, he saw the city of Petra, Jordan. To his amazement, the city matched the one in his head. After Flower... <laughs> I can't this fucking name. After <laughs> Flowerdew shared his story with several people, BBC reporters contacted him asking to put his story on television. Several archaeologists flew to Petra with Flowerdew. He recognized landmarks with ease, including sites that had not been excavated yet. When presented with an ancient device, the purpose of which had baffled scholars for years, he offered a plausible explanation regarding its use. After seeing a guard station, Flowerdew recalled that he had died there when he was stabbed with a spear. Same, my dude, same. The experts who accompanied Flowerdew believed his claim of reincarnation, doubting someone would be able to fake or fabricate the breadth of knowledge he displayed. Flowerdew maintained that he had never studied the cities previously and the only heard of it upon seeing it on television. While Flowerdew could possibly have withheld information regarding his education, many believe that this is a true reincarnation story. What do you boys think? 
Sure. Petra's a pretty insane cool city in, in Jordan. That's kind of a big discovery that he was able to decipher, if you know anything about Petra. Uh, I think the fact that it's it, it he's older, that gives it the aspect of him being able to know and or study certain things. Although, if it states that it was he discovered things that weren't discoverable, so. But I but, don't know. I'm I'm iffy on this one. I don't know. Yeah, this one's hard for me to believe. Because they, your brain could pick up so many things throughout its years that you don't even know is in your brain. And then all of a sudden you see it and you're like, oh, I know this place. And it's like, oh, you just watched the History Channel. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was like, it, History Channel informs you about a lot of bullshit. It really does. I feel so much like, I just feel big-brained when I watch that shit. Did, Ancient did, aliens. Did you know that um, the aliens were actually involved in Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah, they were involved uh, heavily into the tradition that we now know as Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay, so next story, uh, Chase, reading this one, a little context to this one. It's it's an interesting, it's a little trippy, and and this is more of a recollection of some of the speech that they talked about, so roll with this one as you're reading it, but it's an interesting story about the father and son and grandfather thing. Okay, story of a reincarnated father or grandfather and a young child. When I was your age, I changed your diaper, said the dark-haired boy to his father. Ron looked down at his smiling son, who had not yet turned two. He thought it was a very strange thing to say, but he figured he had misheard him. But as baby Sam made similar remarks over the next few months, Ron and his wife, Kathy, gradually pieced together an odd story. Sam believed that he was his deceased grandfather, Ron's late father, who had returned to his family. More intrigued than alarmed, Ron and Kathy asked Sam, How did you come back? I just went, Whoosh! And came out the portal, he responded. Bet. No comments. It's amazing. No comments. That's one of my favorite parts. (laughs) He went, Whoosh! And came out the portal. How cool is that shit? I went, Whoosh! And came out the portal. Much better. He responded. (laughs) (laughs) Although Sam was a, a precarious child, He had been speaking in full sentences from the age of 18 months. His parents were stunned to hear him use a word like portal, and they encouraged him to say more. They asked Sam if he had any siblings, and he replied that he had a sister who turned into a fish. Oh my God. (laughs) Who turned into a fish? Some bad guys. She died. Eerily enough, Sam's grandfather had a sister who had been murdered 60 years earlier. Her body was found floating in San Francisco Bay, like most bodies do end up. <laughs> Ron and Kathy then gently asked Sam, do you know how you died? Sam jerked back, slapped the top of his head as if in pain. One year before Sam was born, his grandfather had died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Ooh, eerie. Very eerie. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you get turned into a fish. You were sleeping with the fish because <laughs> you got the cement boots. You got you got you got mixed in with the mob in San Francisco, and you just made some poor choices. You said something about the mob boss, and then you you were sleeping with the fishies. Well, I, I mean, I guess if you get whacked in the back of the head because you got in the wrong fucking crowd, and now you're swimming with the fishies, that makes sense. Who killed who in which room using which weapon? <laughs> Tell me now. Um, KFA, his thighs, and a watermelon with fangs. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> one one interesting note before we have some. I, I I have the best story, guys. 
that I want to talk about, unless Adrian has one. But one interesting thing that I found, because this is somebody I like respect in the past, I think a lot of people respect, or don't, because he actually invented the five-day work week, so you can hate him too. Uh, I believe he did. This might be incorrect. But Henry Ford, the uh, creator of Ford Mortars, Mortars. <laughs> Creating weaponry for the American people. Supplying weaponry to this day. And if you need to, you can put bricks together with it. <laughs> he founded Ford Motors. He quoted this uh, about reincarnation. He said, work is futile if we cannot utilize the experience we collect in one life in the next. When I discovered reincarnation, it was as if I had found a universal plan. Time was no longer limited. Discovery of reincarnation put my mind at ease. And he said this in 1928 after he adopted the theory of reincarnation. So basically, reincarnation is the mortar of life. Motor. Mortar. No, weapons. Weapons. Weapons of mass destruction. Weaponry, yes. No, reincarnation is the mortar that holds life together. Oh, mortar as in uh, clay and bricks and stuff. Yes. Well, man, you construction guys. Oh. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, talking about Henry Ford and other famous people that do believe in reincarnation, you have the ghost hunters who Dr. Tucker was a child psychiatrist in private practice when he heard about the reincarnation research being conducted by Ian Stevenson, founder and director of the Division of Perceptual Studies at University of Virginia. He was intrigued and began working on the division in 1996. Six years later, when Dr. Stevenson retired, Dr. Tucker took over as leader of the division's past life research. The UVA team has gathered more than 2,500 documented cases of children from all over the world who have detailed memories of former lives including that of a California toddler who was surprisingly good golf swing, who said he had once been legendary athlete Bobby Jones, a Midwestern five-year-old who shared some of the same memories and physical traits. Blindness in his left eye, a mark on his neck, a limp as a long-deceased brother, and a girl in India, who woke up one day and began speaking fluently in a dialect she had never heard before. Dr. Tucker describes these cases in his book, Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. The children in the UVA collection typically begin talking about their previous lives when they were two or three years old and stopped by the age of six or seven. That is around the same time that we all lose our memories of early childhood, Dr. says. Dr. Tucker Tucker says, When he first learns about a subject, he checks for fraud, deliberate or unconscious, by asking two questions. Do the parents seem credible? And could the children have picked up the memories through TV, overheard conversations, or other ordinary means? If he can rule out fraud... He and his team interview the child and his or her family to get detailed account about the previous life. Then the researchers try to find a deceased person whose life matches the memories. The last part is essential because otherwise the child's story would be just a fantasy. 
close to three-quarters of the cases investigated by the team are solved, meaning that a person from the past matching the child's memory is identified. In addition, nearly 20% of the kids in the UVA cases have naturally occurring marks or impairments that match scars and injuries of the past person. One boy who recalled being shot possessed two birthmarks, a large, ragged, one over his left eye and a small, round one on the back of his head, which lined up like a bullet's entrance and exit wounds. In the case of Ryan, the boy longing for a Hollywood past, an archivist poured over books in a film library until she found who appeared to be the man he singled out. Hollywood agent Marty Martin. Who, what a great name. <laughs> Marty Martin. Who made an unbilled cameo in the night after night. After Cindy spoke with Dr. Tucker, he interviewed Ryan, and then the family contacted Mar- Martin's daughter. She met with Dr. Tucker, Ryan, and Cindy, and along with public records, she confirmed more than 50 details that Ryan had reported about her father's life, from his work history to the location and contents of his home. Cindy felt tremendous relief when she was told that her son's story matched Martin's. She says, he wasn't crazy. There was really another family. Hmm. I mean, that's what's so interesting about these stories and why I fucking believe it. It's There's, there's a part of me when I, like, at the very beginning of the story, I was thinking about this. I was like... You know, it's human nature to find some sort of connection. So someone could be saying something, and then they'll be able to go out and find other details that link it somehow, luckily, to their benefit. But there's some things like someone being born with two scars looking like uh, a bullet hole, and that's how they died. Like, How can you explain that? How do you explain that shit? Yeah. And it's it's intriguing because reincarnated stories have kind of a lot of backing evidence, a lot of, like we were saying earlier, corroborated corroborated evidence where you're backing one story to another and you're trying to connect dots basically in between the two, and that's why I like these stories. And I think personally, there's there's been some interesting things, and I don't know if you guys have you guys ever gone to like get your palms read like you used to be a prince of Persia back in the day. You know, there's like weird things when you do that, but sometimes they say stuff and you're like, well, that's kind of weird. That's yeah. kind of sus. Well, let, let me ask you this question. And I know neither of you will have the correct answer, but. Ouch. <laughs> can you just let me ask the question and then no. you, you could. Okay. Maybe they have the correct answer. But why is it that only some kids are able to see their past life, but others have no clue? Because you were a goddamn cucumber. Some of us weren't humans in our past life. So? Some of us reached a, a, a personal enlightenment in our, in so our then, life. We don't, need to, we don't need to talk about it. Then tell me, if birthmarks see bullet wounds, then if I was a fucking, who knows, a bunny rabbit, and something picked me up, ate me, why don't I have birthmarks of teeth marks? No, well, I, it's not. I, it's not one. It's not black and white. I don't think. I get what you're saying because. But I, but why isn't there just one case of it? Because there's one case of the bullet wound. Yeah, and my thing too is like, we're talking solely based on the idea of reincarnation, and the thought process behind it. 
when you talk scientifically about this stuff, like there's no way to say like, yes, you in a previous life got shot in the fucking head because you did something stupid. Why the fuck would you be born with that birth effect? Like, I wouldn't even say defect, just abnormality, right? It's not normal. It isn't. It's it's so abnormal. It's worth it's worth conversation. It's worth research, and I can't I can't answer your question, Adrian, because it's hard to hard to know. Yeah. So screw you guys for getting mad at me for saying what I I wanted oh. to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me give you a story here that I think is is freaking really good and really well well researched by the people. Now, I'm gonna try and summarize this. I'm reading from an article on ABC News because. It's 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 kind of a thick story because they did so much evidence backing and they did so many interviews and so many things. So I'm just going to kind of highlight it. If you're interested, I, I we're happy to send you to this. There's a really good YouTube video where a gentleman talked about it in decent detail for 10 minutes. So let's kind of go over this. It's a nice hook. Parents think boy is a reincarnated pilot. And I'm sure a lot of people have already heard the story because this, out of all the reincarnation stories that I've heard about, uh, this is the one I've heard heard and seen the most. Um, it has been widely publicized. And this is kind of what got us intrigued with the reincarnation uh, idea. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So nearly six decades ago, a 21-year-old Navy fighter pilot on a mission over the Pacific was shot down by Japanese artillery. His name might have been forgotten were it not for six-year-old James Leninger. Quite a few people, including those who knew the fire pilot, think James is the pilot reincarnated. So let's go into some of these details here in this article and kind of dissect everything as as we go through. James's parents, Andrea, James's parents, Andrea, it's Andrea, Andrea. James's parents, Andrea and Bruce, highly educated modern couples, say they are probably the people least likely to have a scenario like this pop up in their lives. But over time, they have become convinced their little son has been, has had a former life. From an early age, James would play with nothing but else but planes, his parents say. But when he was two, they said the planes their son loved began to give him regular nightmares. I'd wake him up and he'd be screaming. Andrea told ABC News' Chris Como, she said that when she asked her son what he was dreaming about, he would say, airplane crash, on fire, little man can't get out. Andrea says her mom was the first to suggest James was remembering a past life. At first, Andrea says she was doubtful. James was only watching kids' shows, his parents say, and they weren't watching World War II documentaries or conversing about military history. Now, I think these little details right here, we have to take with a grain of salt, right? Because it's, it's the word of the parents not saying this stuff. But a two-year-old, this is, remember, as I'm reading this, it's a two-year-old. This is someone pretty darn young, about to recollect some crazy stuff. Right, boys? Yeah, that's what I'm saying about this, is like a lot of this shit is young children who the details are too fine to be manipulated into someone that young. Okay. But as time went by, Andrea began to wonder what to believe in. In one video of James at age three, he goes over a plane as if he was doing a pre-flight check. Another time, Andrea said she had brought him a toy plane and he pointed out what appeared to be a bomb on its underside. She says James corrected her and told her it was a drop tank. I had never heard of a drop tank, she said. I didn't even know what a drop tank was. Then James' violent nightmares got worse, occurring three to four times a week. Andrea's mother suggested she 
she look into the work of a counselor and therapist, Carol Bowman, who believes that the dead sometimes can be reborn. Reborn. So that's interesting, Adrian. That that little sentence right there. Sometimes the dead can be reborn. That's that's the part of this shit that is hard for me to one hundred percent invest in. Because why does one person get to re- be reborn and not another? Then it goes back to our past episode about all of the Bible verses and different religions. And it's just hard for me to believe someone from the West can still be reincarnated if they don't believe in that certain religious standpoint. Well, do you necessarily have to believe or it just happened? So let's just let's just say in the case of the Jainism, this this person who came up with this idea just hit the nail right on the head. And like this shit is 100 percent real. Whether you believe it or not, this is the world we live in, right? And you have the four levels. You can either be a demigod, a human, a vegetable, or be sent down to hell. Uh, Who knows? I mean, maybe this person didn't follow those ways or those practices and now was not cued back in line to be a human or sent somewhere else. And the the timeline always trips me out because obviously – we could talk about how timelines in heaven and hell are different. Like time is different. Time is a construct. But it's interesting that sixty years later this kid is reborn. Like what happened in between? You know, even even if we were just using linear time, what happened in in in, in purgatory basically for this fighter pilot as he was being reincarnated? Well, like even we trippier. Man- and we mentioned in the last episode, maybe shadow people are those souls trying to find a new body. And I was gonna kind of make a joke, but it's kind of a serious joke. <laughs> What if when people say, don't go towards the light when you're dying, but like I've seen in a couple cartoons, that light is actually you being birthed. <laughs> you're like, no. You're just like literally transitioning from death right into being a baby you know, again. <laughs> it's not that far-fetched of an idea. It's a joke, but it's kind of serious. Yeah. All right, let's continue with the story because it gets kind of juicy. With guidance from Bowman, they this is the counselor, they begin to encourage James to share his memories and immediately... Andrea says the nightmares started to become less frequent. James was becoming more articulate about his apparent past, she said. Bowman said James was at the age where former lives are more easily recalled. They hadn't had the cultural conditioning, the layering over the experience in this life so the memories can percolate up more easily, she said. Trail of mysteries. Over time, James' James's parents said he revealed extraordinary details about the life of the former pilot, mostly at bedtime when he was drowsy. Which is interesting because that's just before dream dream state. I don't know. They say James told them his plane had been hit by the Japanese and crashed. Andrea says James told his father he flew a Corsair and then told her they used to get flat tires all the time. In fact, historians and pilots agree that the plane's tires took a lot of punishment on landing. But that's a fact that could easily be found in books or on television. Andrea says James also told his father the name of the boat he took off from. Natoma. The name of someone he flew with. Jack Larson. After some research, Bruce discovered both the Natoma and Jack Larson were real. The Natoma Bay was a small aircraft carrier in the Pacific, and Larson is living in Arkansas. It was like holy mackerel, Bruce said. You could have poured my brains out of my ears. I just couldn't believe it. So this is interesting, right? He's recalling very specific details in somebody else's life, but not too far off from being able to just watch this on a show. But how much could a three or four year old intake? and regurgitate about 
Natoma and this individual, Jack Larson, these people who actually existed. How much could the child do? The details are just too fine, and that's what intrigues me about the story. You know, they're too to the point, and they're big words that a child is not going to be able to retain or speak properly, in my opinion. I agree. Now the details even get more juicier, and there's some points I want to make. I know this story is a little long-winded, but guys, it's it's really, really interesting. Bruce became ins- obsessed. That's his dad, the child's dad. He started searching the internet, combing through military records and interviewing men who had served aboard the Natoma Bay. He said James told him that he had been shot down in Iwo Jima. James had also been been signing his crayon drawings, James III. Interesting. Bruce soon learned that the only pilot from the squadron killed in Iwo Jima was James M. Hudson Jr. Bruce says James also told him his plane had sustained a direct hit on the engine. Ralph Kalbor a rear gunner on the U.S. plane that flew over the Natoma Bay says his plane was right next to the one flown by James M. Hudson Jr. during a raid near Iwo Jima on March 3, 1945. Clearbore said that his saw Hudson's plane struck by anti-aircraft fire. I would say he was hit on, hit on right in the middle of the engine, he said. Again, more corroborated evidence between Jack, the, the child's memory... And then the actual people who were freaking there and what they saw, and it's like connected. How how the fuck do you make that up? Yeah. Again, that's what makes this story so great. I know. There's. I'm trying to find this one more detail as I'm reading. I think I'm getting close to it. That just really blew my mind. So I'll keep I'll keep running through it. Bruce says he he believes his son had a past life in which he was James N. Hudson. Huston, I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry, James M. Huston Jr., he came back because he wasn't finished with something. The Leningers wrote a letter to Huston's sister, this is it, Anne Barron, about their little boy, and she now believes it as well. The child was so convincing in coming up with things that there was no way in the world he could know, she said. Professor Paul Kruntz of the State University of New York's at Buffalo, who heads up an organization that investigates claims of the paranormal, says... He thinks the parents are self-deceived. Here's Adrian coming in hot. They're fascinated by the mysterious and they built up a fairy tale. James's vivid alleged recollections are starting to fade as he gets older, but among his prized possessions remains two haunting presents sent to him by Baron, which is the sister of the supposed resurrected, a bust of George Washington, and a model of a Corsair aircraft. They were among the personal effects of James Hudson sent home after the war. He appears to have experienced something that I don't think is unique, but the way it's being revealed is quite astonishing, Bruce said. Asked at the idea that James may have been someone else's, someone else's changes his or her wife's feelings about their son. Bruce said, it doesn't change how we think. I don't look at him and say, that's not my boy. That's not my boy. So, Enough details corroborated between two sources. Yes, skepticism in some way that they got fabricated because they took the story and they ran with it. But the sister still remains to stay. And there's there's videos of her being interviewed that she believes that this child is the resurrected uh, brother, her brother, her resurrected brother. I think all of these stories are absolutely amazing. And it could be questioned in many different ways. And if... You guys are striking a point where you're like, hey, I used to be a fighter pilot back in World War One. Then send us your nice little email detailing your whole story about it at 
stuckinthispurgatory at gmail.com or shoot us over a DM on our Instagram at stuckinthispurgatory. And if you like what we have on our Instagram, please click on that nice little link tree. It shows you all of the different stuff we provide for our listeners. I'm pretty sure KFA is like ingrained that saying in his brain and it's like I, I could see him like in his brain reading it verbatim every single time <laughs> photographic memory baby it's a beautiful thing it is a beautiful thing maybe he was reincarnated as a typewriter oh you you were a typewriter Adrian <laughs> That's all what along it was. you were a typewriter that is what it was absolutely <laughs> I can hear it right now <laughs> alright guys well I hope you guys enjoyed all the stories as well as um, we did and uh, thank you again for listening to our shit. You're probably wondering, like, oh, I don't know if reincarnation is that paranormal. Well, it really does have a lot to do with what we believe uh, deep down the paranormal world is. Uh, so look forward to the next episode. We love you guys. Thank you. Yep. Just going to say it real simply. Love y'all. Keep listening. Keep rating. Keep telling us what we're doing right and wrong. Because after all, we're all stuck in this purgatory.